Hello and welcome to the Children's Learning Disability Therapeutic Service podcasts, which provide advice and guidance to families who care for a child with a learning disability. I'm Louise McConnell, Clinical Lead for the service, and today I'm with Orla to discuss communication strategies. So Orla, you're very welcome. And to begin, perhaps you can introduce yourself and your role. Yes, so I'm Orla Butler and I'm a speech and language therapist in the team. And my role is mainly to assess communication skills and liaise with the team to implement appropriate communication strategies at home and at school. And I suppose a lot of those strategies would include visual supports for communication. Thanks, Orla. And I suppose we better get right into it and be very clear from the get-go as to what is meant by the term communication and then why might children with a learning disability experience difficulties in the area of communication? Well, communication is basically the transfer of information from one person to another. So it's a two-way process and effective communication is really dependent on communication partners having the ability to send and receive messages. Speech, language and communication difficulties quite often form part of an overall developmental delay in people with a learning disability. So this means that individuals might have difficulties understanding or using spoken language. So whenever you talk about visual supports, what is meant by that term and why would they be recommended for a person with a learning disability? Visual supports basically refers to any sort of visual that supports communication. So things like objects of reference, visual schedules, social stories, visual timers, calendars, they would all be types of visual supports. Um, As we know, people with a learning disability can have difficulties with remembering information that's provided verbally, doing things in the correct order completing tasks independently, they might need some support with those things, following an adult's lead, planning and organising an activity. A lot of our children are also really perceptive of intonation, pitch, volume of voice. So you know that phrase, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of our children would hone in on that and using visuals can just take away from that and, you know, just focus on the task at hand. A lot of our children are also visual learners, so this means that they learn better through the visual channel than through other means. A lot of children that we work with would also have sensory needs and become overwhelmed with what's going on in their environment. And at these times, they might need additional support as a crutch. And visual supports can be very effective in alleviating many of these issues. So basically, You've just used the word crutch there. Visual supports are that. They are a a crutch for young people who maybe have difficulties that may not be visible. Yeah, exactly. To people that are, are working with them. I suppose so much of our world and so much of what we do is about communication Mm -hmm. so today we're really talking about how we share information with a a young person yeah you mentioned a few visual supports there and one that would probably be used quite a lot in the world of learning disability and people talk about is a schedule so just for our listeners so that we're all on the same page 
What is a schedule and why are they useful? A schedule is a bit like a to-do list. So as adults, most of us depend on some sort of a to-do list or visual to help us organise things and as reminders. So our calendars, diaries, shopping lists, they would all be visual supports that we would depend on daily. A visual schedule is a visual support that helps a child to anticipate transitions and upcoming activities. So it can be used to help a child understand an expected agenda for a given period, for example, morning time or nighttime routines. And a schedule is usually made up of pictures or pictures and words, and they'll represent the expected activities in the order in which they are to be completed. So then why would a visual schedule be useful? Okay, so they're useful for many reasons, and I suppose providing information visually really means that the need for information to be retained and remembered is reduced. Um, Spoken language is transient, it's instant and then it is gone so it can be easily forgotten or misinterpreted. Visuals tend to be concrete and literal and mean what they say. They can help present information in the correct order. They can help promote and create independence. Um, Sometimes even the very notion of following what the visuals are telling a child to do rather than the person telling them what to do Mm -hmm. can be really effective. Mm They can also provide predictability and show us exactly what's happening now and next. They can be really useful for introducing a new routine or activity. And in Amanda's video, she will demonstrate using a schedule to introduce a new activity. They can reduce the need for spoken language, particularly at stressful times for the child. So I'm sure you'll be familiar with the concept of feeling a bit overwhelmed or just having loads on in your mind and someone's talking to you or maybe asking you a question and it's very very difficult to process all of that and many of our children would present like that for most of their day so just taking that language away can actually be really really effective at times like that. Yeah there's a reason why airports have so many uh-huh. pictures around them and signs that, yep. isn't that right? Uh-huh. But I mean, one of the things that we talk about is being child-centred and every child's different. So does every schedule have to be different? Yes, I suppose the type of schedule your child will need will really depend on their level of ability and their understanding. So some children might understand objects better. Others might respond best to photographs or symbols. Other children might prefer written schedules. No, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you there. What do you mean by objects? Okay, so we refer to objects of reference and this would be showing a child, you know, so preparing them for a transition by showing them what's coming next. You might show them a pair of shoes for going out for a walk. You might show them a crisp wrapper for snack time and um, basically just bringing it down a wee level just to make understanding a wee bit easier for them. And I guess that um, how you know which schedule to use dependent on your what your advice is? Yeah exactly so as I said it would depend on their level of ability and as speech and language therapists we always do an, like a comprehension assessment to determine what level your child is functioning at. So if you are in any doubt as to what level to pitch things at, have a chat with your speech and language therapist and they should be able to provide some advice regarding that. Okay. So then what kind of things need to go on a schedule? 
Well, a schedule can be used for so many things as we discussed above. So it can be used to prepare us for what's happening in our day, to help teach a new skill, to help with sequencing difficulties. So it really depends on what information you want your child to understand. And I would say the key is being prepared. So you'll need to plan your activity, plan what you want to convey and then gather the necessary visuals to represent that. In Amanda's podcast, Mm -hmm. she will talk about the types of activities that might be useful to include on a schedule. That's a really useful exercise, even in of itself, sitting down and planning your day. Because it makes you realise just how many different activities a child does. And also how many transitions there Exactly. Are. It just gets you thinking about what you're expecting of your child as well. And I just think that visuals really are there to support the structure that's already in place. So sometimes it's about getting the structure in place mm-hmm. first and then using the visuals as supports. Mm-hmm. Um, most of us would love to have a good, normal daily routine that's really well structured and you open your eyes of a morning and you know exactly what's happening Mm -hmm. but if anyone else's house is like my house that doesn't Doesn't always happen (laughs) yeah life changes Uh so what happens if you can't do what's on the schedule well as you said yeah that's okay that's life that's normal um we know that some of the children we work with don't always cope well with sudden changes to their routine But I would say try your best to prepare your child for any plan changes by maybe showing them that you'll replace or remove an activity on their schedule. And there are a few ways you can do this. So Middletown Autism Centre actually have a really lovely video on their website demonstrating the use of change symbols. And we'll pop the link up on our website attached to this podcast. Depending on your child's level of ability again, you might be able to negotiate changing an activity or not completing certain things on the schedule. But I would say try not to set yourself up for failure by putting too much on the schedule to begin with. So you might want to allow for some flexibility so that you're not restricted to specific activities. And you might want to use some choice cards and this will allow more flexibility for you, the adult, while giving the child a sense of control, which we know is very important for many of our children. Particularly those children with anxiety. Exactly, yeah. I have been in many houses and I have used various types of schedules in my own family life. And sometimes the one symbol that you want And the one picture that you need isn't there. So what do you do if you don't have a picture printed off or have lost a picture of something that needs to be included on the schedule? I would say use whatever means you have at that time to communicate this information to your child. So you could try drawing a picture to replace the lost visual or using a wrapper, for example, a cookies wrapper to represent snacks. A real object, as we talked about, maybe using shoes or a coat to represent going out for a walk or a part of an object. It's not ideal, but it's better than having no replacement. Okay. And just thinking about life on the go, how do you use the schedule if you're out and about? Well, we don't always have pictures ready to go, so I would always recommend keeping a notebook and pen in the car or somewhere handy at home for times when you might need to communicate something to your child that you aren't prepared for. Simply drawing a picture or writing the words down can be enough at these times. Um, a wee portable whiteboard can also be really useful. Mm, very good. Um, 
I'm, I'm just conscious at this point in time, I, I think we're, we've really advertised the importance of visuals and the, the, the real importance of being prepared. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure some of our listeners are now going, okay, you're selling me the visuals, you're selling me the idea of using symbols or whatever else. Uh-huh. Where do I get these visuals? Well, you can create your own by taking photographs of specific items or activities in your environment, but there's also a number of websites that have some lovely downloadable resources. And the ones that I tend to use would be Autism NI, um, Middletown Autism Centre. The EANI website also has some lovely resources and then good old Google Images. I'm going to get a bit technical now and talk a little bit more or ask a few more questions about something a bit more than just the schedule. Okay. So I've heard people referring to pictures on schedules as pecs pictures Mm -hmm. and I fully admit myself that I sometimes get this wrong. Mm -hmm. So is this another name for visuals or is there a difference between pecs and a schedule? Well, I tend to come across this quite a lot and I think when you're using different types of systems at home, it's very easy to become confused. But just to clarify, PEX is actually very different from a schedule. So PEX is a type of AAC, an augmentative and alternative communication system. So the aim of that is to support or replace spoken language. And it stands for Picture Exchange Communication System. So it would sometimes be referred to as the child's voice. And it would very much be an expressive communication system. A schedule, on the other hand, would support a child's understanding or their receptive language. And I suppose it's more like the adult's voice. Okay. Can you use the two systems? You can, yes. I would say if your child is using a schedule and pecs at home... Just try to keep the two systems separate if you can and don't mix the pictures between systems just to try to avoid some confusion. Um, in my video, I will demonstrate how they look different and maybe just give you some advice regarding how to make them different in size as well. So thinking about pics, some of the questions that are often asked by parents are my child sometimes asks for an item using his pecs book, but I don't always have the item available. Or it may not be appropriate to give it to him at that time. So, for example, I'm thinking sweets just before dinner time. Is it okay to remove such pictures so he can't ask for it? Again, this, as you say, is another common one. So it might seem like a good idea, but the advice would be definitely not. The Communication Bill of Rights states that we should have the right to express our needs and be listened to. So just because a child may not use spoken or verbal language, it doesn't mean they shouldn't be heard. And if you had a child who communicated verbally, you couldn't simply remove words from their repertoire of vocabulary. So if PEX is your child's voice, you can't just take it away. Just like any child, your child might ask you for things that you can't always grant or aren't always available. That is a really good way, a really nice way of putting it because you're absolutely right. My children have asked for sweets just before dinner time Mm -hmm. um, and it's not that I stop them from asking for that. Mm -hmm. I just have to say no at times. So what should parents do instead? 
Well, we know that the word no can often be a trigger word for our young people. So you might want to avoid using the word no, but you can still try using a no symbol and then showing them an alternative. So you might want to show them that there's no sweets, but you can have a toast or a banana and trying to show them those options that are available. This way you're acknowledging their attempts to communicate, which is actually one of the fundamentals of PICS, but you're also showing them that their preferred choice isn't available at that time. You could also try using a first then schedule to show them, for example, first dinner, then sweets. Mm -hmm. And you could maybe direct them towards their daily schedule to show them what's happening now and next. Again, I will demonstrate some of those strategies in the video. And I guess at that point, I would want to say that if you are saying first dinner, then sweets, then after dinner, there should be sweets. Yeah, yeah. You need to really stick to your guns. You, you know, you can't you can't promise something and then not say it through. Um, and your child will but not you know. allow you <laughs> to get away with that. <laughs> uh, so another question might be, my child has used pecs for quite some time. And the PECS book contains lots of pictures of items that he doesn't request. What should I do with these? Well, I suppose this can happen over time because our preferences and needs can change. So your child might have loved to ask for grapes or apple in the past and may no longer like them. So it is important over time just to keep an eye on this and remove and replace pictures as required. And they do sometimes, the textbooks can sometimes get a wee bit grubby as well. So you, you might need to be replacing them depending on how often they're being used. Um, sometimes a child can also become overwhelmed with the amount of visual content there is. And this can have an impact on how effective the pics actually is. So keep it up to date. Yeah, that's it. Now, at the very beginning, we were talking about visual strategies and you mentioned um, schedule and you mentioned pecs. I just want to go back to one that you referenced, social stories. Mm -hmm. Can you give a brief explanation of a social story? Social stories are basically short stories that are written to convey a particular message or they can prepare a child for an upcoming event they can teach a new skill or address a specific issue. And they were developed by Carol Gray and they've proven to be extremely effective for people with a learning disability. Um, they should be personalised and include specific details regarding what to expect in certain situations. So when might they be used? They can be really useful for lots of things, but some examples of when you might use them would include preparing your child for going to the dentist or a hospital appointment, maybe for going on holiday, basically any new transition. Developing self-care skills such as dressing, washing, brushing teeth. Um, they can also be really useful for helping develop social skills such as sharing. Um, they're just a few examples, but if you want to check out social stories, log on to autism.org.uk. That is the National Autistic Society website. And they have some more examples of social stories. Um, and there's also a nice wee video of Carol Gray being interviewed on the topic of social stories. Thanks, Orla. And a lot of information. What, what would your top tips be? The first thing would be never assume that because your child may speak or understand spoken language that they don't need visual supports because research has shown that visuals help to support communication and can help alleviate anxiety regardless of verbal ability. 
Next, ensure that visuals are visible, accessible, and are tailor-made to suit the needs of your child. I would also say preparation is key. So remember that visuals support the structure already in place. I would also say start small, maybe choose one part of your day to begin with and gradually build on this. And it might take some time and lots of practice for your child to become familiar with the schedule. And finally, persistence, patience and consistency are the keys to success. And they are the keys for success for many. They are indeed. (laughs) Orla, thank you for all the information you've given us today and the top tips and the various strategies. And thanks for reminding us of the videos and the other advice that will be available on the website. And listeners, thanks for accessing the podcasts. I hope you find it beneficial and it would be really helpful to us if you fill in some of the surveys that will be attached to the podcasts, giving us feedback on how you find the podcasts, but also if there are any additional topics you would like us to cover. But for now, all the best.